Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is undefeated UFC welterweight Nicholas Dobley. Nicholas, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, man. It finally happened. Yeah, I know. We were able to make it work out, and I'm very stoked to talk about to talk to you, man, because, I mean, you're a very interesting fighter. You know, we got to talk about your last fight with Darren Till. You know, it's already a candidate for fight of the year, and... Man, you know, some people thought you won the fight, others thought Till won the fight, others scored it a draw. I gotta know, at the end of that fight, how did you think uh, the, the judges were going to score it? Honestly, I had no clue, um, but I'm always very self-critical, so unless the fight has been really dominating, I always assume that I may have lost the fight. The same happened in, when I fought in Brazil, and I got a unanimous decision my way. So I'm just very self-critical, so I think my feeling of how the fight went when it's done is not the best to like uh, count anything on. Well, um, yeah. well, you definitely ended the last round strong, and the momentum was surely shifting in your favor. So had that been a five-round fight, you know, chances are you would have finished him. Now, i got to ask you a couple questions about the actual fight itself. You know, obviously... The first round, you know, he was finding his range, and were, were you feeling those kicks uh, that he was throwing you, or what? Um, honestly, I haven't yet seen the whole fight, um, <laughs> so like, from what I remember, I remember like thirty seconds of the entire fight, and I know I, I just haven't had the, I just didn't feel like sitting down and watching the fight yet. I want to see it with my coach. Because, I don't know, it was just, uh, I, I think I'm going to be so embarrassed with the first couple of rounds that I, I haven't really been able to pull myself together to do it. Um, but I don't, I don't know, I, I, I didn't really feel he was, he was like owning me in any way. He was, he was, he was winning the round and, and of course the knockdown counted a lot in his direction. But, um, but I felt it was, it, was, it was not even, but it was pretty close. Yeah, and you might actually be pleasantly surprised. I don't think you'll be embarrassed at all because one of the qualities you showed was not just the ability to overcome adversity, but the heart of a champion. And that goes a really long way in this sport. Yeah, but that was in the third round. You still have the first two rounds, which I lost, and I don't like to lose, so... <laughs> True that, but hey, I mean, what better way than, you know, to come back and get a 10-8 in that third round? You know? Absolutely, absolutely. All things considered, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm okay, happy with the result. It's not like I'm grieving or anything, but I, you know, I always want to do as good as possible, and I didn't do that in this fight. But it came out in the end. We won five tonight, and I just got my bonus today, so I'm not complaining at all. But <laughs> I'm, I'm, per, I'm a perfectionist uh, in a lot of ways, so you know. Well, I'll get over it. <laughs> you're, you're definitely a perfectionist. I mean, you were a champion before you entered the UFC. You're currently undefeated, but I know you haven't watched the fight yet. I actually watched it, you know, for the second time last night because yeah. I knew you and I were going to talk. I wanted to brush up on it a little bit. And in that third round, you know, you you had him very hurt. You had him in the full mount, and you're teeing off on him. And it looked like if you would have thrown a couple more strikes, the ref might have come in and come in there and stop it. But then you decided to go for an arm triangle. So I got to know, man. Well. I mean, were you really tired at that point? Can you talk about your decision-making in that moment? Well, again, this fight, I remember... Normally, from a fight, I remember, like, more or less the gist of the fight, how it all went and what happened when and which round. But this fight, I remember 30 seconds, and it's all, like, pieces and bits. So, but I had a sense that I was about to, like... I didn't want to punch myself out at that point. I, I didn't... From where I was, I didn't feel that the ref was close to, to stopping the fight, and I didn't like. It. And then I saw an opportunity for maybe an arm triangle, which, you know, all things considered, I was maybe closer to punching him out. But who knows? Maybe I could have gotten the arm triangle. You know, it's it, it's like it's split second split second decisions in in the fight. And yeah, looking back at it, maybe I should have you know just kept punching. But at the moment, it felt like the arm arm triangle was maybe there, so. I went for it. Well, it's definitely a, a learning lesson. And I got to ask you, man, you know, obviously in that first round, he did land that uppercut that dropped you. Yeah. Was that the first time you've been dropped in an MMA fight? Um, I think so, yeah. So Darren got the first knockdown on me. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I mean, it, it was just a perfectly timed punch. It had nothing to do with, you know, your chin or anything like that. He just, he timed you really nicely in that first round. Yeah, and I, I didn't, my coach said when he, he watched the fight again back home, I, I kind of, I, I was stepping in, so I kind of slipped on one foot. Uh, not, you know, Darren, he timed it perfectly, but, but it, it wasn't like, I wasn't dazed. I remember just popping up right after the fight, the round ended. I was like, you know, I didn't feel like my balance was off or anything. He, he just, you know, it was a flash knockdown, and he got it. But I, I wasn't, I wasn't out like or yeah. dazed or hit in any way. Oh, for sure. I could tell because, you know, with some guys, when they get dropped and then the round ends and they get back up, they're stumbling to their corner. You know, a perfect example exactly. is uh, Yoel Romero versus Jacare, which just happened. And, you know, Yoel drops him in the first round, almost finishes him with ground and pound. And then yeah. uh, the round ends and Jacare is stumbling to get back to his corner. And, you know, uh, my friends yeah. that I had over watching that fight, we were like, they might stop it between rounds. But with your fight, it was never like that. It was just like, oh, yeah. good first round for Darren Till. But then, you know, you came back. So I, I got to ask you, Nicholas, you know, after, yeah. the, after the fight, obviously you and Darren showed each other a lot of respect. But that was inside the octagon. What about backstage and behind the scenes and, you know, the subsequent weeks at the Fighter Summit? Did you guys uh, have... Did you guys get along, or, or did it start to be like, fuck, I felt like I won the, the fight, and he felt like he won the fight? Just tell me about it. No, no, that didn't happen. Not, not on the surface, at least. Uh, Darren feels like a pretty honest guy, and he, he wasn't complaining in any way. And it's, it's like, we as fighters do what we can inside the octagon. We're not in control of the decision by any other means than fighting. So if some referee or judge, sorry, judge, gets it wrong, it's kind of out of our hands. And, you know, that's, that's why everybody wants to finish fights because you don't want to leave any doubt. So if any, any uh, judge maybe sees it the other way than you, you want it to go, then it, it was the fighter's like, obligation to finish the fight if he, he didn't want it to come to that. So, um, so when backstage when we hung out, it was like, you know, what happened in the cage just continued afterwards. He's a, he's a stand-up guy. He's he's nice. He's funny. He's he's cool. Um, that being said, I wouldn't mind fighting him again. It's not like that, but you know, I think it's with with guys I fight. It's it's like any other person. Some persons you, you just connect better with, and we we just hit it off. And that doesn't mean that that. I wouldn't be able to fight him again, but um, it's nice to share a beer with with a guy who just fought. And you know, we went in there, we we did what we could. Why should we have any animosity against uh, each other after that? You know, it was a great fight, and the audience enjoyed it, and we we got fifty k's in our bank account. So, you know, in the end, everything was good, and we both keep to get our perfect records. So, yeah, it could have. Yeah, exactly. What more could you ask for? And you know, something that you just uh, touched up, touched up on that I really want to talk about is the fact that you know, after the fight, you can show each other respect, but during the fight, it's not like you guys were high fiving and hugging like some of these guys. And I, I can't stand when people do that. But you guys, you know, you fought till the bitter end, and then once the fight was over, that's when you showed each other respect. So m much respect, yeah. Nicholas. That that was awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah, so you know, you enter the UFC undefeated and a Cage Warriors champion. We're going to talk about Cage Warriors in a sec, but you know, I got to know, man. So you, you fight your fights in Denmark and then you get the call to fight in Brazil. What was that experience like? Well, it, it was interesting. Actually, I had one fight in London for Cage Warriors before that, but London is like one hour right. from Denmark, so it's more or less the same. Um, but yeah, it was just like, you know, it, it wasn't. It wasn't really like I got an option. So I, I was just asked to want to fight on this date in Brazil, or I wasn't. You know, that was opportunity. And should I say no? What kind of first impression would that be? Um, and I was guessing like I, I, I'm gonna travel abroad at some point if if I'm gonna make a career of this. So why not just do it now? You know, uh, if I lose, I lose. But. You know, I couldn't imagine me losing because of that. So it's just like oh, yeah. getting it done with, just getting it over with. Because, you know, I'm going to do it at some point, so why not now? Where, you know, in three fights, there's going to be more at stake. So why not just get that experience now? Absolutely. But what I'm trying to find out is, you know, 
Fight Week in Brazil. I mean, how did that differentiate to Fight Week in Denmark or Fight Week in London? Um, well, Fight Week in Denmark is non-existing because there's so little media coverage. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it's I have to I have to be honest. When going out traveling for fights, it's more or less the same whether you're in Brazil or Ireland or England or whatever. Because you you go to the hotel, and then. You stay there, you work out there, you don't really have the time or maybe maybe the energy to, to really go out and explore. Maybe you go out and to the nearest mall and stuff like that. But but and then there's media obligations. So honestly to me it felt Brazil and, and Dublin felt the same. And more or less. How it was a bit more hard in Brazil, but yeah. Right, but how is that Brazilian public? Because, you know, obviously, they do have a lot of pride. They support their own guys, and, you know, they scream, Ooh, which means you're going to die. And I, But I know you're a very mentally strong guy. So, I mean, did was, was it just different for you at all to hear the crowd say, you're going to die, or was it just, hey, I'm a winner, no big deal? Well, it wasn't like they were screaming it in English or Danish. So, <laughs> even though I know what it means, you know, it, it's just a chant. So I, I, I think whether no matter whether the energy is negative or positive, I'll just feed off of it. So it just makes me more pumped up to go in a fight. So I don't care if they are going, we're going to kill you or whatever. The energy, I, I just feed upon that. Of course, it's cool to have like maybe 5,000 fans screaming your name and stuff like that. Maybe that gives a little bit extra. But even though... They they were of course rooting for for the other guy. It's still you know just the energy itself gives something. Yeah, and one thing I've noticed, you know, obviously we all know you are undefeated, but in your fights themselves, you find a way to win no matter what. And uh, I gotta know, man, where did this winner's mentality come from? I have no clue actually, because I've never been like the other sports I uh, I competed in and and. and and trained in before I started doing karate. I never like, I competed a little, but I, I wasn't really good and I didn't really, in competitions, I, I didn't really do that well. So, to be honest, I, I don't really know. It's a good question. Um, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's just because I, I fight to, I'm challenging myself when I fight. I don't fight to hurt other guys. That's not why I fight. I fight because I want to challenge myself. Um, I want to... Can I go in and there's a, like this muscle man on the other side of the cage just wanting to rip my head off. Can I win over that dude who's like had as much training as I have? I think that's the, the challenge in it for me. And that makes me motivated to go and train really hard. And I think that, that intense training and... and Intelligent training just pays off. Definitely, uh -huh. and you know, obviously, we. I think that that's the best answer. I know it's it's. I'm mumbling right now, but yeah, that's the best answer. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I know it, it might be kind of hard to talk about yourself a little bit, but we we did mention the Darren Till fight, and I know you said you don't remember much from it, but. You know, that was a perfect example of you finding a way to win because that's the closest from what I've seen that you've ever been to losing a fight. So, I mean, do you yeah. at all remember between the second and third round and, you know, your mentality where you're like, dude, I got to fucking finish this guy or I'm going to lose the fight? Well, I, I don't remember it specifically. I just remember how it felt. Uh, and my coach, he came in and he talked to me. And I, I don't remember the specific words, but he, he was like, the gist I got, he was like, okay, Nicholas, I know you can do this. You've been working so hard for this fight. Is this the way you want to go out? I know you can do this. I trust you. Do you trust me? And I was like, yeah. Okay, so I trust you. I know you can do this. I know you can do this. So go out and do what we've been training on. And his like, uh, reassurance of his trust in me and him like reminding me that I, I, I can do better than this and I don't want to like go out this way and just quit in front of like 100 Danish fans and, or like 60 and, and 10,000 Irish fans, you know, I wanted, I wanted this, so I came out for the third round and I was just, I, 
no fucks were given. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, were a, you were a man possessed in that third round. And, you know, obviously you just brought up something very interesting. You and your coach seem to have a really good bond. So can you just talk about when you started training with him? And, you know, is he your head coach, a specific discipline? Just talk to me about that real quick. Yeah, um, well, we started training together 10 years ago. I think this fight was the last fight I had against Darren Till. Had it been two days earlier, it would have been exactly 10 years after my first amateur fight. And I started working with him up to that fight. That was kind of a funny coincidence. Um, so we've been working together for 10 years, and he he's more or less always been my head coach. And his speciality is in striking. He knows all the other aspects of MMA, but, but his speciality is really striking for MMA. Um, so that's what we work, work on the most. And then he's the head coach, and he, we, we put together the general strategy together for the fights. Now, is it true that you were a karate fighter before you started your M MMA career? That is true. Okay, so I mean... Just, just talk to me about that because, I mean, I have, you know, my dad's actually a karate black belt. I got friends that are karate black belts. Tons of people are karate black belts. But being a black belt and actually competing in, you know, the tournaments are two completely different things. So, I mean, were you doing the points tournaments? Were you actually knocking dudes out? Just talk to me about it. Well, who said I was a black belt? Uh, I, 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 I was just wondering. I just assumed. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I never got to the black belt. I came kind of close, but no. Um... But yeah, I did karate for five years, uh, had my first competition after three months. So obviously I, that was my like motivation for training. Um, it was fun going to the graduations and getting the new belts and stuff like that. But it was the, the competition I, I felt the most exciting. And that in the end was why I kind of got bored with it because it was knockdown karate. And it was fun, but it was kind of limited because you... Basically, if you do knockdown karate, at least in Europe, you have like kicks to all of the body, but you can only like punch the upper body. So you have, you don't have any like punches to the face, and that changes the, the tactic for a fight a lot. Because then you can just like stand in front of each other and do a lot of punches in each other's chest, and, and so it, it you just kind of it's like a cockfight. You're standing in front of each other, just banging. Um, Whereas when you can't get hit in the head and get knocked out, uh, it kind of changes. You can't just stand and trade in front of each other. So that's why I got bored in with the end and switched to MMA. So it's almost like that game you play with your friends when you're drunk where you guys can only punch each other in the body, but you can't punch each yeah. other in the face, right? Yeah, like some rock'em, sock'em robots, you know, boom, 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 just trading. Yeah. So it, it was okay, but, you know, I just felt it was limited. Techni not technically, but, but tactic-wise, you couldn't really put a game plan together or stuff like that because it was more or less the same game plan for every fight. Just go in and try and knock him out or beat him to death. Yeah, now, the only criticism I've ever heard about you is that some people call you a point fighter. Now, I disagree with that completely. I think you put all the elements of the game together. You've won via head kick knockout. You've won via submission. You know, almost knocked out Darren Till. So, I gotta know, when people call you a point fighter, I mean, does that bother you? Or are you just like, hey, I'm in the UFC and you're not? Like, how do you feel about it? Well, people are, you know, they're, they can have your opinion. But, and I kind of see it, but I, I never go for anything unless, you know, I, I see the opening or I have some, like, awareness of something could happen if I do this. So why should I just try and do a flying knee to the face if, if I have a feeling that if I do that, he's going to knock me out or something? So, and as always, it's hard to finish a fight against a guy who is, who is defending himself really well. Um... So, so, you know, fighting is, is not as easy as just going in and knocking the guy out. Some guys, they have like, like if you see uh, Rumble Johnson, you know, he can, he can go in and he just has that physique and, and timing where you just go in and throw that overhand and then he knocks people the fuck out. Uh, I don't have that. I have power and I have speed and stuff like that. But the way I'm put together physically and mentally just doesn't enable me to do that. That doesn't mean I, I look don't look for the finish, but I don't want to like. I don't want to risk the. If if I'm in the fourth round, 
and I, I know I've been dominating the fight, why should I throw that all that away just trying to to push or force a knockout or a finish uh, and then maybe ending up uh, paying for it? Uh, not because I don't want to finish, but I don't want to like I don't want to risk what I've you know gotten. Absolutely, and that's that a, makes any sense. It, it makes a ton of sense, and a perfect example of that was when Andrei Arlovsky fought the great Fedor. You know, he was teeing off on Fedor. It looked like he had Fedor, yeah. you know, on the ropes, and then he throws that flying knee and gets caught and. You know, that's all exactly. that that's all that anyone remembers. They don't remember the fact that Andre was actually dominating the fight up until that point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a that's a perfect uh, perfect example. And and yeah, you know, when I fight if if I see an opening, I go for it. And if I don't succeed, you know, I I have the tools I have and a lot of times it's always it's also like it's matchups, so maybe I don't just match up for exciting finishes with some persons and with others. With others, I do. Um, yeah. So I gotta ask you, man. You know, obviously you are a very well-rounded fighter. You've won fights in all sorts of ways. What do you prefer? Do you like knocking guys out, submitting them, or do you like thirty twenty sevening them? <laughs> well, there's no question that what gets people what gets people the most excited is when you knock somebody out. Like, the, the, the reaction of the crowd is unbeatable. Uh, so that's my favorite way of doing it. But, you know, finishing an exciting fight with a submission is almost as good. And, you know, I like the, the feeling of when you finish someone. Because that's where you get, like, that instant roar and reaction from the fans and the coaches. And everybody just gets, wah, uh, excited. Yeah, Whereas, you know, getting a good fight in and, and winning uh, via, like, decision is also fine, but you don't get that instant reaction, and that's what I love. Definitely. It's what the fans love, too, but at the same time, you went to a decision in your last fight, and it's a candidate for fight of the year. So, you know, it, you get the best of both worlds, whether you knock someone out or you put on that decision that's a fight of the night. You know what I mean, Nicholas? Yeah. I just got to ask, who, who had that down as fight of the year? Well, I mean, obviously, when everyone saw the fight, we were all like, holy shit. And, you know, I, I'm one of these guys that I've got a very good memory. I remember a lot of things that went down this year. And when we talk about the best fights of 2015, you know, Darren Till versus Nicholas Dalby is right up there. So I guarantee you, when the MMA awards come out this coming year and they have, you know, the five candidates for fight of the year, I guarantee you Darren Till versus Nicholas Dalby is going to be up there because, I mean, dude, first round, he drops you. It looks like he's going to come out and knock you out in the second round, and then he doesn't, and then you almost knock him out in the third round, so it's yeah. kind of like, dude, that's that's the kind of fight the fans like. Yeah, it was a good back and forth. Yeah, it was incredible, and, you know, we briefly mentioned that you guys were actually hanging out at the Athlete Summit, so I got to know, what was the Athlete Summit like? Because I've only seen fighters tweet about it, and it looks like it's uh, very informational and just a... You know, just a good thing that they got going on there. Yeah, indeed. It's very nice. Um, they flew us out to Vegas. Uh, they paid for the trips and the hotel and the stay and all that. Um, and they flew us out there. And then we had, like, the first night was just people arriving from all sorts of, you know, places in the world. Um, and then, like, the, the first day was, um, we had, like, yeah, the first and second day we had, like, classes and public relations, social media, taxes, economy, you know, everything related to being a fighter in the UFC. Uh, they were just, they just want to educate the fighters on how to take care of themselves uh, and in general what to do and not, what not to do and, and just, you know, we had some physical training uh, classes, we had some mobility stuff, uh, just, you know, wanting to, to, to give their... Uh, the fighter summits are for like this one especially was for like new fighters or up and coming fighters uh, who was like had potential to, to become bigger than they were now. Um, so they just want to give us some you know some ballast uh, to to learn us how to handle ourselves in all aspects of being a professional MMA fighter. Yeah, and what was the biggest lesson or piece of advice you know that you took from the athlete summit? Um, there was some good notes on, on, on the social media stuff. Uh, most of it was kind of known to me, but 
Uh, I don't know, good question. I, I think there wasn't like one big thing. It was more like in general, there was a lot of like small pointers here and there that I could kind of pick out. Because I've been doing this for 10 years, doing MMA and professionally for five, and fighting in cage wars. So I've, I've kind of picked up on it and, uh, and I, I try to look at what, you know, the most known fighters they do on Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that. So there wasn't like any... And also training-wise, so there wasn't like any big epiphany, but it was just all the way around. There was most things I could take out and, and learn from. Yeah, and speaking of Cage Warriors, you know, we all know you are a former Cage Warriors welterweight champion. And for a lot of people, some people know Cage Warriors, and for those that don't, Cage Warriors is one of the most respected organizations outside of the UFC. So winning that belt actually means a lot. So I got to know, man, when you... uh. When you head kicked that guy in uh, Cage Warriors and, and got that belt, what was that like, man? That was insane. Um, the, I was actually supposed to fight the, the former Cage Warriors champ, a French guy called uh, Gael Guimard. But he, uh, he was the guy who had the belt before Cathal Pentred. And Cathal um, vacated it when he went to the UFC. So that was kind of a good history in it, me. A new challenger fighting against the the old title holder, um, but then he got injured in his back and had to pull out. I think a month before the fight, and then they found uh, Sergey Churilov, who I fought against. Uh, but you know, I always want to have win-win fights. So I want to have a fight where if I lose, you can say, "Okay, they did it to that opponent," which was you know he was kind of good, so that was okay. And if I win, it you know, gives me two steps up. And True Love, name-wise, wasn't really that fighter. He was kind of tricky and he was good at footlocks and had a counter-punching style. So we, we kind of had to, like, switch strategies. Um, and it was in Copenhagen. And I didn't really feel it in the build-up for the fight, any pressure. But afterwards, uh, there, there was some pressure, even though. Um, so I don't, I don't know. And I got injured in my elbow and had to almost pull out of the fight and you know there was a lot of things going on between the between the lines um so finally getting to fight and, and winning in that way in my hometown in front of my you know in front of my danish uh danish fans sorry um was just incredible and it was just it was just a textbook experience like winning that way and in my hometown that was just insane that's the best word I can describe it with. Yeah, it sounds incredible. And then your very next fight, you fight in London, like you briefly mentioned. You actually get to go five rounds. So I got to know, what was it like getting to go the full five rounds before you make your UFC debut? Well, I didn't I didn't know I was going to fight in the UFC, so that didn't really play any effect. Um, but now, as you know, it's, it's a good experience to have, knowing that I can go five rounds and I can trade for five rounds and, and go in. I actually felt in that fight in London, uh, I had my best round in the fourth. So I kind of know that as the fight progresses, I, I get stronger. Um, not that I'm weak in the first rounds, but but it seems like my energy excess compared to my opponents is, is gets higher as the fight goes on. You can see that in in, in Dublin perhaps as well. Um, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So so it was it was a good experience. Yeah, it would have been good for you. Besides, besides a broken hand, though. <laughs> well, you know what? Again, you overcame adversity, and that's very important. But, you know, it would have been cool if you had a fourth round in, in uh, Dublin. But it is what it is. I got to know, man, have you ever lost a fight? You know, whether it's an amateur fight, whether it's a street fight. You know, I, I know in sparring, you know, obviously, you know, we've all been tapped out. We've all, you know, guys have gotten the better of us. But in an actual fight, have you ever lost, Nicholas? I lost my very first amateur fight. Um, I took it. I've been training MMA in, in a not so good gym for three months, and I could only train every second week because I had a my work schedule was uh, shifting every week. So I was working evenings and then days. So I would only train every other day or week. And then I met a guy who'd been training for like, that was supposed to be his last, it was his last amateur fight before his first pro fight. And this was my first amateur fight. But I, th I, I, I guess the matchmaker, he kind of figured that I had five years of karate experience, so that kind of evened out somehow. 
but I, I didn't know any boxing. Like I've been training once with my with my now coach, but I, I you know I couldn't do shit standing up. I could kick, but I know I didn't know how to use my distance and stuff like that. So. But I, so I just got dominated for two rounds. I got taken down. And he couldn't really do anything. So I went the distance, which, you know, taking into account that this was my first fight and there was his last amateur fight and how long he'd been trained compared to me. It was okay. I didn't get knocked out. I didn't get submitted. I just, you know, went the distance. But you know what it's like to lose. So, I mean, do you ever think about that one time and think about how you never want to feel that feeling ever again? No. No, I don't focus on, on the, I, I, I focus on winning, I don't focus on not losing. Gotcha. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, that, that's very important for me when I, when I fight. I think that's a very clear difference on, on whether you fight not to lose or to win. Yeah, there's a very big um, difference. Nobody, yeah, um, so, and it's so long ago, so honestly, I, I can't remember how it felt. It's not like it's burned into my memory. Like again, it wasn't like it wasn't like a, it wasn't like I got laid out, knocked the fuck out, or submitted. Yeah. A, I wasn't embarrassed, so it it didn't really feel that bad. It was just it was what it was. Yeah, it was a good learning experience. So when you make your UFC debut against Zaleski Dos Santos, now that was a very good fight, and you know maybe the casual fans don't appreciate that kind of fight but i appreciate that kind of fight because all aspects of mma were displayed and it was it was a tough one man you had to gut it out but at the end of the fight did you think you won or did you think they were going to raise the brazilian's hand in brazil again i'm very self-critical so i remember actually back then that, that i thought i was standing in the Oscar and i was like there went my first loss <laughs> so so yeah i i thought that but so you can you can see the reaction on me if if you watch the fight and watch the announcement of of the decision. I am genuinely surprised. But again, I'm I'm very self-critical. So whenever things hasn't really gone as I wanted it to, or I didn't feel like I totally dominated. I'm I'm always presuming that I lost because not that I have a negative mindset, but I'm just so perfectionist and and self-critical that. I know how how well I can perform. I also know that I don't, can't do that in every fucking fight. But yeah, if it hasn't really gone the way I imagined, I get kind of ah oh, fuck it. Yeah. Well, you know what? Being a perfectionist is part of being a winner. So it makes complete sense to me, man. And I gotta know, you know, obviously every fighter wants to improve on all areas of their game. But is there a specific area that you want to improve on, Nicholas? I want to improve my my general movement and, and my wrestling. I think that's that's a big area. There's some details in my striking and my grappling, you know. But but I think I have you know I have the basics down. And even though it didn't look like it in the in the fight against Till, I felt like I developed a pretty good game against South Pole. And I actually started uh, training some new stuff leading up to that fight. So. It's more or less detailed, so I would think the big things are like movement-wise, I think I can improve some on the feet and the clinch, um, and then the wrestling, of course, as every European. Yeah, I'm actually glad you brought that up because Europeans are often criticized for the wrestling, but I watch you fight, and you know... Uh, pure wrestling and MMA wrestling are two completely different things and the thing that I like about your style is that you blend all elements of the game together you know your striking to your takedowns uh, flows very well so I mean is it just uh, transitioning better or is it actual you know pure wrestling that you want to improve I, I, I feel like I have the, the transitions down pretty good I think it's when I do if I don't get the first takedown I think that's where not that I can like chain it together and get some other takedowns but that's what I want to improve the most. Um, sure. Yeah. Cool, man. And obviously we mentioned you are a Cage Warriors champion. And another former Cage Warriors champion, Conor McGregor. You might have heard of this guy. He knocked out the great Jose Aldo in about 13 seconds. Who? So <laughs> I, I got to know, man. What was your reaction when the great Jose Aldo went down in 13 seconds? I was like, whoa! What the fuck? Um, but... You know, I, I was surprised, but I wasn't like, you know, for me it was, you know, 
Aldo came out, he rushed, and doing that against a counterfighter like Conor McGregor, and, and him being so precise, is just a bad thing to do, and, you know, again, it wasn't like a big mistake on, on Aldo's side, that's how I see it at least, it wasn't like a huge mistake, but it's just, Conor is so good at getting that, uh, that straight left in, or left hook, or whatever it was, so, so, it's a bad thing to do against him, and he's good at like um, like really exploiting any holes he, he see in his opponent's game. So that's just what happened. It could have been exciting to see more of that fight, but uh, Connor he got a chance and or an opportunity. Sorry, I just drank some coke, so I'm kind of burping. <laughs> I'm also eating right now. That's why I have sticks in my hands. Nice, nice. Keep just that old school training. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it could have been exciting to see more of the fight because you know uh, I'd really like to see Connor maybe get get pressured a bit, and he got that in the Mendes fight, but then Mendes gassed out, and you know that was kind of not a cool cool fight in a way. But I'd like to have seen Aldo maybe not make that mistake and hope maybe get him into the fourth round, and somebody could finish each other. So we did we didn't really I want to see McGregor under pressure, like really under pressure with a, with another striker. Maybe that's not gonna happen because he is so good standing up, but I'd really like to see it just to see how he reacts and how he takes it. Yeah, you know the fight I want to see is Frankie Edgar versus Conor McGregor. I, I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Agree. Like I do favor Conor to win, but Frankie's one of those guys that you can never count out, and he always defies the odds. And the thing I like about him is that he's a natural bantamweight, and he won the belt at 155 pounds. I mean, he's the definition mm -hmm. of a badass. So. Connor versus, yeah. versus uh, Frankie, I think that's the fight to make. What do you think about that fight, Nicholas? Yeah, exactly. I, I agree totally. Um, that could be a very exciting fight. Um, let's see if it happens. Uh, you never know with Connor. He seems uh, pretty unpredictable. Um, but yeah, yeah, it could be an exciting fight. I think you're right. Um, um, he could, he could uh, pressure Arlo. Oh, sorry, McGregor. Pretty good, I think. Yeah, it would be very interesting. Now, obviously... You know, you were in Cage Warriors, Connor was in Cage Warriors, but I think you were in Cage Warriors once he was actually in the UFC, but did you ever... Yeah, we were in Cage Warriors at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Did you notice him, though, when you were in the local scene and he was in the local scene? Did you know who the guy was, or did you only hear about him when he was in the UFC? Um, well, yeah, I heard about him, and, you know, kind of he, he was, like, on the radar somehow, but, but I didn't really, you know, I didn't go watch all his fights and stuff like that. And, but then when he got to the UFC and people started talking about him, I was like, oh yeah, I got us in cage for him. I might as well, you know, check up on him. Um, and he's, he's done well for himself. I, I, I can kind of understand why a lot of people hate on him, but both as a fighter and a fan, I can only appreciate the, the interest he's creating in MMA. He might not be doing it in, in a way you uh, can relate to, but he's fucking... He's making people buy pay-per-views. He's making people buy tickets. He's generating a lot of interest. And that just makes the sport bigger, more money for the fighters, more fights for the fans. You know, it's, it's just good all around. Yeah, and first and foremost, he's a martial artist and a performer. Every time he fights inside the octagon, he does techniques that other people don't do. So, you know, that right there is enough for me to be like, I want to see this guy fight. And then when you hear him talk, you know, in my opinion, he's entertaining as hell. I don't get, you know, a lot of people get a little sensitive when, you know, he makes certain comments. But what people fail to realize is that you're paying to watch two guys fight inside of a steel cage. So all this, you know, uh, I, you know, hugging and kissing and high-fiving. I'm not into that shit, man. So I really like yeah. what, what Connor does. And after the fight, Connor is always respectful. So, I mean, what more could you yeah. ask for? You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. I agree. What I don't, if I have any complaints, and I can't complain, but I don't like how he's, it seems like the, the latter times, he, he's, like the last couple of months, he's only talking about money. And that gets kind of old pretty fast for me. Um, but other than that, I really appreciate what he's doing. He's talking a lot of shit, and, uh, you know, getting on people's nerves, and I think it's pretty funny, but the money talk, really, come on, don't do the Mayweather style. If he, he wants to be big, you know, you have to, like, take up bigger issues like Ali did, fighting for black people's rights and stuff like that. Of course, Conor can't do that, 
But, you know, <laughs> it, I, I think it's, if, if I had, who am I to give advice? But if, if he was like to create a really a big legacy, I would start, start maybe talking about bigger stuff than just earning more dollars and, you know, gloating with that in people's faces. Yeah, you know what I mean? I, I do know what you're saying, but at the same time, I think that a guy like McGregor is going to put more money in the pockets of guys like you and guys like the other fighters because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, if I could give an advice to him, I would say, like, talk about something bigger just than, you know, talk all the shit you want, but just talking about how much money you earn and how much the other doesn't, you know, it, it gets kind of old. You know, I, I, get, I, I, be more I, I, creative yeah. than just talking about the money. Yeah, jeez, <laughs> the fuck, the baby. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, man. But I think in turn, it's going to work out for the best for everyone. Now, I got to know, man, on a separate topic. That's what I said as well. That's what I'm saying as well. Yeah, I'm yeah. just like, the money, please, come on. Yeah. Well, one day you're going to have uh, five Porsches and, you know, a couple Ferraris out front. And you got maybe you and Connor can, can, can be like, hey, man, let's go spend our money in uh, Dubai or something. You know what I mean? No, I'm never going to do that. What, should, what the fuck should I use five Porsches for? <laughs> I, can't, I can't ride five Porsches at the same time. You know, I, I, I think I'm, I'm just a different guy on that point. And maybe that's not good for me. I'm not going to earn as much money. But I think it's also... It's also about staying true, true to who you are. And I'm not Conor McGregor. I'm not his personality. Um, so, you know, everybody can't go out and just be as entertaining as he is. Of course, you have... I think it's about finding what part of your personality you can amplify to, to get, you know, more hype. But still, you have, to, you have to find something in your existing personality and boost that, amplify it. You don't... You shouldn't, like... I'm a, I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty nice guy, and I, if I go out and, and try to be a heel, a bad guy, maybe do it, but it wouldn't feel genuine. Can you, you understand what I'm saying? I absolutely, 100% understand what you're saying. And yeah, and if you went out there and you tried to, you know, brag about the money and this and that, it wouldn't sound natural because that's not who you are. But for him, it might be who he is, you know what I mean? He might, you know, because apparently he was a plumber, and now he, you know, has a couple mansions. So for him, it's like... It's like it's like he said, we did it, baby, red panty night, you know what I mean? So, But for you, you know, you are a nice guy, and here's one thing I got to say. He, uh, Connor didn't recently put on a fight of the year candidate. You did, but he put on a knockout of the year candidate. So, you know, different fighters, different personalities. That's all I think about that. Yeah, I agree. And I, I got to ask you, man, you know, you are European, you're from Denmark. What kind of music do you like? Um, I like a lot of different music. I find myself listening mostly to electronic and hip-hop, but I, if I look up my iTunes, like jazz, I have uh, like classical music, I have like rock music, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Foo Fighters, so you know, I, I listen to like all spectrums, but what I listen to mostly is electronical and, and hip-hop. Okay. Yeah, I was uh, I was gonna be way off in my in my guesses. I was gonna ask you if you like metal or hard rock or anything like that. I mean, you like the Foo Fighters; they're good. Well, I actually do like hard rock and metal, but I like it more in concert, like live music. It is. I don't listen to it at home when I'm chilling out. Uh, it's it's a bit too rah for me. Got you. Got you. If I'm training, it can, it can work out, but then you know, yeah, it's it's mostly electronic and hip hop. Um, but I'm also very lucky to to like have a have a lot of uh, friends that are making like creating music musicians um, and they you know do all this cool music that I buy all the time so and and it just turns out to be a lot of electronic and hip hop artists so yeah and yeah. anyone specifically that you want to mention for the fans mm. I think the most of the music I listen to is Danish based, so they rap in Danish or sing in Danish, but um, there's this one guy, he's, uh, he's doing English rap, I think he's, he's like seen as the best, one of the best Danish rappers that do it in English, and his name is uh, Felix De Luca, he's super nice, he's got a SoundCloud, go check him out, like everybody I, I 
turned to SoundCloud, they were like, whoa, is this guy Danish? He's, he, he sounds American. And, you know, it's, it's really good production. And he's very, he's very good at sounding like, like a, like a American. So you said Felix DeLuca? He's awesome. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'll definitely check him out. I'll make sure the fans check him out, too. So we got to wrap things up but real quick. You know, the title that you're coming for is on the line next month because Robbie Lawler is fighting Carlos Conde. I got to know, man. You know, obviously that fight is such a war on paper. Who are you favoring, man? Well, I am not favoring. I, it's, a, it's a boring as fuck answer. I, I just hope it, it, it's a good fight. I don't care who wins. I think uh, Condit is, is an amazing fighter and he's a nice person. He fought in Brazil when I was fighting there, so I kind of get to meet him a couple times and, and hang out with him. Um, and Lauro seems like a nice guy as well, and I like the way he fights. So, you know, I, I can't really pick one I would like to, to, to win more than the other. Uh, I just hope it gets, it's an exciting fight. Yeah, it will be an exciting fight. There's no chance it won't be. And I mean, from a stylistic point, obviously you're a fighter. You'd fight anyone. Who would you rather fight between the two? Honestly, I, I, I'd say they were both equally tricky or difficult to fight. Uh, of course, different styles. But, you know, I, I, normally I, I would prefer the, 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 the Muay Thai background guy. Condit, but he's so long. He's so good at utilizing his elbows and knees. So, I don't, uh, you know, it would be a, a a big challenge to fight him. And the same with Lawler. He's that like power puncher, swing his punches, and has good wrestling as well. So obviously that would be a difficult fight as well. So can't pick again. I can't pick one. Um, they're both equally good, just in different areas. And and I feel like they could both fuck me up pretty good. <laughs> so. Uh, Maybe I could fuck them up as well, you don't know, but I think I need some more training before I'm at, at that level. But, uh, yeah, maybe I'm actually going to see that fight live. Nice, I'm man. To, I'm going to New Year's in L.A. and probably getting tickets to that fight. Wow, that's going to be incredible, man. I hope, they, I hope it's not an eight-second knockout or anything like that. I hope they you know, put on a show for the fans. Well, hopefully the rest of the fight card. That's another thing I, I, I kind of wonder about. You know, of course, the main fight has been talked about and it's been hyped, but you still had, like, the rest of the fight card. And, you know, the the, the Wyman Rocco fight was kind of good and and oh, yeah. Romero and uh, Hakare was pretty nice as well. And you had Guni and... Um, what's the guy's name? Maya. Um, yeah, Damien Maya. You know, you had good fights. I, I understand why people kind of... But, you, you know, you had a nice fight card. Don't, like, complain about it. Oh, yeah. So. Well, when you talk to a guy like me, you got to understand that I start watching from the first fight past prelim up until the main event. I don't skip a single fight. But when you see a guy like Carlos Condit fighting a guy like Robbie Lawler, you know, it might yeah. even overshadow the card just because it's too, you know, there's such fan of favorites. Of they, course. They, they, I'm they, not they, like, you know, of course I hope it's going to be an exciting fight. But, yeah. If it ends in eight seconds, uh, not too cool. But if it... Honestly, the way McGregor knocked Aldo out, it was fucking exciting. Everybody was in a fear, like, what? It wasn't like, there was no controversy. He got knocked the fuck out. It didn't 30 seconds. That fight, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. It was incredible. Everyone that I was watching the fight with, we all jumped out of our seats. And, you know, speaking of that Condit versus Lawler card, it's so stacked that Dustin Poirier versus Joe Duffy is actually headlining the fight past prelims. And they were initially supposed to be on that card that you were on. And, man, that is one hell of a fight. Now, I got to ask you, man, do you, do you by chance have a prediction for that fight? I do, but I want to hear yours first. I've, I've met Poirier a couple of times and he's a fucking nice guy, but so is Duffy. So it, personally, I like them both. Um, but I, I, I feel like when I watch Duffy fight, his boxing is just so fluid, and and he's like really, he's getting he's he's getting in shots that that most people don't. So I could I could see him winning the fight more than Poirier. Not that Poirier don't have a chance. He's he's very skilled as well. But I I just I have a feeling that that. That Duffy, he'll he'll find a hole and, and maybe knock him out. 
Yeah, the only concern I would have for Duffy is the fact that, you know, he did have a concussion very recently, and that's why he had to pull out of that fight, and now he's coming back, you know, two, three months later, and we all know that concussions aren't something to, to be messed around with, so I'm curious if, you know, Dustin hits him in the right spot, man, it, it could be lights out. Mm. Well, it depends on how big the concussion was, um, you know, and doctors have to claim to fight before he gets to fight, so... I'm guessing if, he, if he's good to go, he's good to go. And, but yeah, there's that chance, but I don't think that will play any factor in the fight. Okay, well, one thing you and I can both agree on is that is going to be one hell of a fight. And I got to know, man, you know, obviously you're undefeated. You just put on a fight of the year candidate. What's next for Nicholas Dalby? Um, I was kind of hoping to get on the, the February 27th uh, London card, um, but it seems like that got filled up pretty fast with the English fighters, um, so I don't think I'm going to be on that card. Um, I think if that's going to end up that way, it's going to be because somebody pulls out because of injury or something like that. I'm hoping to get a fight in, in March. I, I, I don't have any injuries right now. And, um, so I, I feel good to go into training camp again. Um, worst case scenario, I hope to get on the the Stockholm, the Sweden card in in April. Um, but I'd like to fight before that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. No specific plans. Yeah. Now, obviously, you know you're a fighter. You'll fight anyone. But is there anyone specifically that you'd like to fight? Um, I'd really like to call out somebody right now. But I don't have an answer. Um, there's so many guys in the welterweight division. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I have no answer for that. Uh, Sorry. So you, you, Boring you, as fuck, again. <laughs> but, <laughs> you, you don't, but you know, there's so many talented fighters, and I'm just like, give me whoever. I want to fight. You said you wanted to call someone out? Feel free, my man. No, I don't want to call someone out. Oh, you don't want to call someone out. Okay, oh, I got you, I got well, you. Well, I don't. I, I do, but I don't know who. I, should, I I don't think I should start calling out people that are like injured or stuff like that. So yeah, I don't know. Well, regardless, we know it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good fight anytime Nicholas Dalby is involved. And Nicholas, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me right here, right now on half the battle. And you know, obviously, you know the floor is yours, my friend. Just tell the fans where they can find you on social media and anything else you got coming up. Um, well, thank you. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, under the name Dalby MMA. Uh, same on Facebook, Dalby MMA. Uh, and yeah, I think I'm even on Snapchat as well, Nicholas <laughs> Dalby. Uh, I, I get a lot of response on my Snapchat. People who feel it's pretty cool. People write about it on Reddit, so I suppose it's interesting. Um, and then I have my homepage as well, but that's kind of boring, so... Hit me up on social media. I'm sure you can put a link in, maybe. Um, and yeah, I'd like to get some followers and, and create some interesting content for you guys. And thank you for all your support. Of course, man. It's my pleasure. And you know, after your next fight, we'd love to get you back right here, right now, on Half the Battle. And for all the fans watching, you know, I want to thank you guys so much. If this is your first time watching Half the Battle, you know, you can subscribe on SoundCloud slash Best Fight Picks. You can find Half the Battle on YouTube. And now I am finally on iTunes, so go find Half the Battle. Give me a five-star review. And all the episodes are there for you guys to watch. So, Nicholas, I hope you have a great day. And all the fans watching, thank you guys again very, very much.